clock has hit zero, and this one is in the books. It's time for Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. The BYU football season comes to an end with a loss in the Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii defeating BYU 38-34. The Cougars had switched momentum completely that second half. BYU played so well offensively and defensively, and there's certainly some opportunities to put more points on the board, but BYU had that game in control, and then with third and two needing to be picked up for a first down, BYU unable to do that, a pass that went incomplete, it stopped the clock, Hawaii would get possession and would score, BYU looking like They were going to make this thing interesting, BYU's offense moving the ball down the field, but an interception, Zach Wilson's second interception of the day, ends the game for the Cougars and the season. Now 7-6 and for the Cougars, that's how the 2019 BYU football season will end. Again, 38-34, the final score. We'll take a quick break. We come back, we'll let you know what the rest of the bowl schedule looks like over the next couple of days. That's coming up next as we continue on with Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. BYU ends the season with a record of 7-6. and six. They fall in Hawaii to the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, 38-34 in the Hawaii Bowl. Zach Wilson with 274 yards, two INTs. If you look at the total yards, 505 for BYU, 495 for Hawaii. Uh, Definitely a lot of offense in this game, uh, but BYU coming up just a little bit short uh, as the only second-half points by Hawaii was enough to get the win. Now, with tomorrow being Christmas, there are no college football games. In terms of sporting events, tomorrow is completely dominated by the NBA, but the bowl schedule will resume coming up on Thursday the 26th. Two bowl games on Thursday. You have the Independence Bowl between Miami and Louisiana Tech, and then the Quick Lane Bowl, which, again, I'm sure you're all enthralled with thinking about, Pittsburgh and Eastern Michigan. Those are your two for Thursday. Then on Friday, several more games. You have the uh, Military Bowl featuring North Carolina and Temple. Michigan State and Wake Forest will meet in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium in New York. The outdoors, uh, the Texas Bowl will feature number 25 Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. Also on Friday, number 22 USC and number 16 Iowa will meet in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. Washington State and Air Force will play in the Cheez-It Bowl. Had some Cheez-Its earlier today. They are delicious. At Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. Those are your games coming up on Friday and then several on Saturday. But those are, that's your bowl schedule over the next couple of days. We'll take one final break. We'll come back, wrap things up from Provo. Then we'll get you back out to Hawaii for the Cougar Locker Room Show and then post-game comments from not just the players, but the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Satake. Cougars fall 38-34 to Hawaii. More Cougar post-game live next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Jason Shepard for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
38-34, Hawaii defeating BYU in the Hawaii Bowl. The Cougars wrap up their season with a record of 7-6 and six and losing their final two games, the regular season finale at San Diego State and then tonight against the Rainbow Warriors. So now what's the next couple of months look like for the BYU Cougars? Well, obviously the coaching staff now will focus on recruiting. You had the early signing period uh, coming up uh, last week, but now you have a couple of weeks to get ready for the remainder of the recruiting season before things uh, come to a head in the first week of February. Then you have spring ball, which typically for BYU begins at the end of February, early March. And then you've got the uh, off season. The player-run practices will take you into fall. And obviously the main game to uh, be thinking about next, once again, BYU opening up the season against the University of Utah, this time in Salt Lake City at Rice Eccles Stadium coming up on Saturday, September 5th. That's what uh, the next couple of months look like for BYU now that the season is over. Obviously BYU losing several seniors, Micah Simon, uh, one of the seniors on offense, Talon Shumway, defensively Diane Gawoluku, Austin Lee, just a couple uh, of seniors uh, to be named, and obviously decisions now from Kairos Tonga, Matt Bushman, will they be uh, making themselves eligible for the National Football League? All those decisions will be made over the next couple of months. One thing we do know for sure, the season is over for BYU football, and they lose their final game to the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii, 38-34. That is going to do it for Cougar Post Game Live. Coming up next, it is the Cougar Locker Room Show. We'll get you back out to Aloha Stadium with Greg Rubel and Riley Nelson. Again, your final score, 38-34, Hawaii over BYU. This is BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to post-game coverage of BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with the Cougar Locker Room Show. Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back to Aloha Stadium here in Honolulu, Hawaii, where BYU falls to UH by a score of 38-34, to a game BYU was down early by two touchdowns, got back in it, went in front, but never got Riley in front far enough, right? Move it from three points, something bigger. Yeah, and you think about the points. You, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty and all that stuff, but you do tend to think about the points that you leave on the field. And uh, obviously the fumble in the end zone that was even debatable if Zach Wilson was able to break the plane. And then, of course, the missed field goal out there, you leave 10 points, and that makes this, you know, a 30. Now, they missed a field goal too, but even, all right, you give them the points that they feel like they left on the field and the points that BYU left on the field, and the final score is 44-41 for BYU so those are the tough opportunities and then of course it came it comes down to a third and two that you can't convert on kind of the story of the season or, or I should at least say the story of the losses for BYU all of them close really ever didn't with the exception of the Washington game really didn't get boat raced uh, in any of the losses except that one and it came down to these plays that uh, are can be maddening at times for fans well, uh, for BYU, uh, it will come down to just a handful of plays, including one very vital play, and the play of the game, had BYU converted it, ends the game. It's a third down and two for the Cougs at the BYU 26-yard line, and if they convert it, Hawaii's out of timeouts. Once the, once the clock gets under two minutes, if BYU snaps under two minutes and Hawaii's out of timeouts, the game is over at that point. Never got to that point. The play call on third and two will be debated for as long as people want to carry this into the offseason, Riley. 
Yeah, so they decide to roll out to the left. So against Zach's arm, they ran a, a play made famous in the West Coast offense by Joe Montana, sprint right option. That was the play he threw to Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone. Dwight Clark on that play is not the first read. He's the second read. The first read is the guy in the flat. You kind of create a natural rub route for him. And they were able to execute that. Hawaii actually played it well as they had a guy you know, a couple yards off on Micah, but he was throwing the ball to the first read in that play to Micah Simon in the flat, and it was against Zach's arm. He was not able to get his shoulder around to square up and throw the ball and threw it short and at Micah's feet. Uh, interesting decision there. I, you know, I don't mind it. I was a guy that always liked having a run-pass option, meaning I like to sprint out and get on the move and be able to pick up those two yards uh, myself if needs be. Uh, but with uh, Tyler Algiers running so hot and so physical and kind of getting whatever he wanted, and even Lopini, uh, who, granted, by that point in the game, he had had a, a left ankle injury that had to be retaped, even though he did come back in. With the way those guys were running it and the way the offensive line was kind of getting some push in that second half, um, there, there you go. There's all the fodder for the questioning of that call that would have sealed the victory for the Cougars. A punt and then uh, a UH drive that began with no timeouts. It took only four plays to go 71 yards. It took only 44 seconds. It ended with a, a touchdown pass of uh, 24 yards. Cole McDonald to Nick Mardner, 38-34. Your final score game ends on another Zach Wilson INT. BYU minus three in the turnover margin on the night. Title and escrow can be complicated with over 50 years' experience in Utah. Provo Land Title has the expertise to navigate your buying, selling, or building project. Provo Land Title, making the complicated easier. More from Honolulu coming up after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Kalani Sitake, Trajan Peely, Aleva Hifo at the podium, UH 38, BYU 34. Let's go live. Uh, I'd like to open up um, basically up, up for questions, and uh, thank you very much. Thank you to the SoFi Hawaii Bowl, by the way, for having us be a part of this game. If you will, raise your hands. I'll hand you the microphone, and then please identify yourselves. Coach David with uh, Star Advertiser here in Honolulu. Uh, a, a very excellent, exciting game. Um, and um, I was just curious, um, with the game that Cole McDonald, do you feel that he is uh, NFL ready? I thought, I thought he was an excellent quarterback when we faced him uh, last time, last year. You know, So uh, I think he made some really tight throws and some uh, – Tight windows, and and uh, you know we normally we've we've been in positions where we've had been able to create some turnovers there, but uh, I think he threaded the needle uh, a few times when when they really needed it, and um, yeah, he made made more plays than we were able to. But I think he's a I think he's a big time player, has the size and the and the arm strength and, and the the mobility as well. Kalani. What did you think of the play call on third and two, the incomplete pass to Micah? Well, I would have liked it to be a first down. You know, that, that's pretty much who can win the game on the fourth or first down there, but obviously didn't didn't go our way, and, and um, uh, you know, we weren't able to execute. And, um, you know, just got to keep working. I, unfortunately, we won't have Aleva and Micah and the other seniors that are, will be with us, but uh, got to take an opportunity to learn from this and get better from it. But uh, And that's for coaches and, and for players all together. So... Uh, I like the way our offense played and, and fought back and was able to get some plays, but we, we turned the ball over and 
Uh, that's that usually doesn't work out well for us when we turn the ball over that many times and and the, the slow situations not get getting points. And so that that was the thing that that cost us more than anything. So did that call come from Jeff or was that a collaborative an effort? Call, yeah. All right, we've lost our. Uh, we appear to have lost our connection from the uh, press conference room. We'll take a break, try and restore it after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Kalani Sitake, Trajan Peely, and Aleva Hifo at the press conference podium. We'll try and stay with it as long as we can, as long as our connection holds. Let's head back downstairs and see what we can hear. How much um, were you aware of Nick Martin coming into the game as a threat? Oh, we were aware of all the all the production that their receivers get. I mean, that's you're looking at. We've been talking and watching. We had tons of extra time to prepare for them, but they they capitalized and made some plays and executed better than we did when their offense was on and our and our defense wasn't able to get stops. You know, and they uh, they allowed Cole to just uh, take shots, and then most of it was you know fade shots and throwing deep early, getting rid of the ball quickly. And I thought when he held on to the ball, we were able to get some pressure on him a little bit more. You know, but um, uh, when whenever you're top four receivers have that many catches, it's not like the other guys can't fill in as well. And so we knew that they had a, a dynamic offense, and, and we knew that we would have to be at our best. We just got ourselves into a hole, and, and, and I, like I said, that's a lot of credit is because of, of Hawaii's ability to execute. Um, Norm, again, what went into your decision to sort of focus heavily on Lopini and the rushing game and not introduce some of the other players? I know Tyler Algier, once he came in, he started producing quite a bit, and then that sort of tapered off as well. Yeah, I mean, our guys compete, and, and whoever gets, whoever wins the spot in practice and, and our and our prep is the one that goes. It's going to play the bulk of the reps. We can only, for a lot of our stuff, we only start one running back at a time. So, uh, whatever gets us points on the board, we had enough points on the board to win the game. Defense has got to step up and make it work. Our special teams, we got a lot of great uh, returns by Aleva on punt return, and we, we got some really good positions. And we just we had a, we dug ourselves in a hole in the first half, and then and got out and. Didn't, weren't able to finish at the end. Trajan Peely. Uh, Trajan, the defense played astoundingly in the second half until the very end. What were you doing that was different in the second half than the first half? I, I think we just kind of went back to doing what we were supposed to do in the first half. We had a good game plan for how the game was going to go. And um, in the first half, we didn't make the plays that we were supposed to. They made more plays than we did. And uh, going into the second half, we wanted to outplay them. And so that was our goal coming in. Aliva, you had the uh, big punt returns. You had three outstanding returns, 99 yards, second in SoFi uh, Hawaii Bowl history. What did you see how, when the punts came to you and they opened up? Well, that's all credit to the, the 10 guys in front of me and the scheme that we had going into this game. All I really had to do was round around a couple of guys, but those guys are the one working their butts off to, to, miss, to sustain their blocks. It's not easy when their backs are turned and they have to run with the guys who are running down the field full speed and to sustain that for about four or five seconds in order to give me some time. So it's all credit to them. We've got time for a couple more questions. Over here. Kalani, what did you see on the Wilson fumble at the goal line? What, were the, what was the explanation given to you? Seems like there really wasn't much of a review, a very long review on it. Well, I don't know. I guess they didn't have enough um, evidence to see that it was a touchdown. I, I, I can't say that I, I could see it from where I stood. I just assumed that they had the, the right angles and had the right film. So I'm, I'm not, 
I don't know. I, I didn't see it, so I couldn't see it from where I was. I think the best view would be always have a camera on the goal line so they can see if it crosses the plane or not. Leva, going back to your punt return there, how important was that special team to kind of give you guys a spark? Because it seemed like that sort of propelled your offense a lot in that third quarter. Uh, it was important for us coming in the second half. Um, we got the ball back, and for us to get some three nows for their def- for their offense and to have field position like that, it's always good to start off. But at the end of the day, we always have to finish those drives. So if we want to come out with points, then it doesn't really matter. Uh, Coach Sitaka, that final kind of desperate drive that you guys had, um, what did you see, I guess, maybe in that just the final play or two that, that might have sealed it there? I think uh, from what I saw, the defender made a great play and undercut the route. Um, I think we had some other routes that were, were available too, but that's the one uh, Zach felt comfortable with. And uh, I, thought, I thought we were in a really good position where we are at marching and we had two timeouts still, you know, so uh, just turnover came at, at, a, at a bad time for us and, and really the turnovers, all of them came at a really bad time for us. We weren't able to re- really recover from it. All right, so we'll take a break as the Cougar Locker Room Show continues here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 38-34 today's final score. Hawaii comes back to defeat BYU. Hawaii losing a big lead to on two occasions and then coming back to defeat BYU. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show. And we're at Aloha Stadium in Honolulu, Hawaii. And fans, you can make sure you witness every exciting moment at Lavelle Edwards Stadium next season. New season tickets on sale now for the 2020 campaign. Go to BYUtickets.com and get yours today. Uh, Riley, what did you glean or what did you take out of what we just heard from Kalani in the uh, postgame presser? Well, I think, uh, you know, Kalani's, as he has been all season, pretty noncommittal, wouldn't uh, take a strong stand one way or the other. He hasn't been that way for not only this season, but his entire career. And so no real season or reason to start now. Harped on things like, you know, we have to execute. They made more plays than we did Mm -hmm. in those things. I'd like to hear a little bit more detail from him. You know, it was interesting. I was looking while he was talking, Mardner, who made the, two big catches that sealed the win for Hawaii was a freshman because I noticed the guys he lined up against were, against were Isaiah Heron and Hayden Livingston, both freshmen for BYU. So I wondered if it was an inexperienced thing on the back end of that secondary or a depth thing to have those young players in that big of a spot. But on the other side of the ball, you had a player who was equally as young making uh, plays in that same situation. So um, I think he's, <laughs> quite honestly, I think he's ready to be done and ready to get home and ready to start on the 2020 campaign which uh, includes uh, recruiting winter conditioning and then spring ball it had been 11 years since BYU lost consecutive games to end a year more than a decade wow even the 2017 year ended with a win here as it turned out ironically so uh, yeah losing the way BYU did in the last two weeks very disappointing uh, where they were they were they'd won five in a row Kalani got its extension things were feeling good and then to drop to seven and six doesn't feel like um like they finished it out, right? Like, like they showed promise but didn't really validate it or ratify it by the way they played the last two games. Yeah, it's hard to say that this is 
I think this team plays good football, and not to get not to get all Yoda on everybody. I think they play good football, but it's hard to determine if they were a good football team, right? Because what I mean by that is you saw flashes, but to me the marker of a good football team is one that does it consistently, and this team was madding, maddeningly inconsistent. Even, I mean, you look at you look at this game. The defense shuts them out the entire second half, and then the with the last drive with the game on the line, they give up. I mean, in that scenario where you're dropping eight and you're a defensive back, do anything but give up the deep ball. Give up stop routes. Give up over routes. Give up slants. Give up all that stuff. Keep it in front of you and tackle tackle you. And they let you let a guy in front of you. And then on the touchdown, you had a safety who was guarding a post route six yards deep in the end zone. That doesn't do any anybody any good. You got to guard the goal line from it. So that's from a defensive perspective. And then from an offensive perspective, you feel all the momentum at the beginning of this first half, and uh, you can't and you come away two or three times inside the red zone empty-handed which again reminds you of those you know that rough night that that they experienced a month ago in San Diego so getting on a little bit of a frustrating rant here but um, it's uh, gonna be uh, I think a season that a lot can be learned from and it will remain to be seen how much is learned and what changes come. Of course, when the se- when the end uh, does come to the season, it always means a few players have played their last games for BYU. And one of the guys we've uh, enjoyed speaking to most over the years, and really enjoyed watching play most over the years, because in particular of how well his senior season went for him, is Mike Assignment. And if he's not soon to be with us, he's with us already. Let's check down to the locker room area and see if Mike is already on headset or not. Yo, he is. Hello, Micah. How are you? What's up, Greg? Well, you know, I say, how are you? Knowing that it's always tough to lose a game like this, especially when it ends the season and the career, but. Uh, Man, it was a game that it, it felt, Micah, that you guys, even though it was only a three-point lead, it felt like once you guys got in front, you would stay in front. How did you view it? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, we knew their, their offense was going to be able to put up points and be able to drive the, drive the ball. Got a really great um, you know, system over there with the air raid and a great QB, some great receivers. And, uh, and yeah, we knew, we knew it would be a back-and-forth game. And, um, but, you know, we, we felt once we came out in the second half and was able to get up, we – and our defense made some stops. We we felt like we were uh, in control of the game, and uh, and yeah, we just just kind of slipped away from us at the end. It wasn't a one play game, but the play of the game came on a play that if BYU converts, the game is over. And you were involved in that play. How did you see third and two? Yeah, we uh, actually know we were emptying our bag of tricks this this game. Um, we we caught our our uh, kind of quarterback sneak, but it was with it was with me as as a receiver and. We just kind of got out there too late um, with the play clocks, and then we had to change the play because they they already saw me come in motion and tried to hit them with our, our play that we kind of had in the bag uh, for the past few weeks, and we, we thought it was the right time to call it, but they made a great great play on defense and were able to switch switch guys with uh, with all of our crossing and motions, and, uh, yeah, they just made a good play, and, and uh, yeah, that was the game, really. Well, let's go back to the first version of it. Was it simply a play clock situation? Um where it got too late? Were you guys a little bit late to getting into it? Because I know right before the snap, you got into sneak position under center, and by then you were calling timeout, or the team was calling timeout. Yeah, we, we ran out on the field with about 12 seconds, and, um, yeah, we just we probably should have just called a timeout kind of immediately, and then just was, were able to get, get out there and able to uh, set up for that play. But, yeah, clock was just running down, and the coaches didn't want to risk a uh, delay of game, so called the timeout. How was the sneak working when you've been working on it or practicing it? Pretty great, yeah. I mean, it's it's worked. It's worked all the time. James and I've got a lot of snaps in, and we were uh, we were ready to use it this game. And then on the third and two throw, it just comes in a little low to you, right? 
Yeah, they just they just made a really great play. They were able to switch over the top with our with our kind of screen and block and Zach uh Zach just kind of dirted it because there was a guy right on my back and didn't want to uh risk anything. Okay. Uh you uh, so come out in that last drive, uh, obviously before the game ceiling interception, I believe you had three catches or two catches and a couple great ones on the one on the sideline was so impressive that you were so close and didn't step out, you know, you were receivers that happen so many times in spots like that where they step out of bounds and come back in and touch it and it's nullified because they don't do it. Um, how were you able to, you know, get open so many times? Quite honestly, I was thinking, man, stay to the edges, stay to the edges, don't mess with the middle of the field. Obviously, you know, when they tried the middle of the field, it got burned and it caused a turnover, but you were having your way with that corner on that last drive, yeah? Yeah, we were, uh, we were calling some great great plays. Um, they were giving us one of their earlier coverages that they kind of had in the first half, and we were kind of uh, – kind of killing them down the field and they kind of went back to that so we knew we were able to kind of hit the intermediate part of the field especially on the sideline and um yeah just able to make some great grabs and uh and then zach was able to get out the pocket and, and find me on the sideline and just kind of kind of put them in panic mode they started switching some corners and, and having some guys bounce around to, to guard me or guard different people and uh yeah we just just a uh, unfortunate situation on that last play so when you look back at seven and six how much do you think BYU got out of it, uh, Micah? Uh, I mean, you you always get you get lessons out of out of every season. You get lessons out of every loss, out of every win. Um, this is definitely not how you know we wanted to end our year, and we wanted to end the year eight and five, which would be an improvement from last season. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things that it's going to be a hard pill to swallow. I think you know, especially you know me and, and the other seniors, just knowing this is our last game and in the Y uniform. But I mean, the, this program's on the up and up, and and these these coaches know exactly what they're doing, and they know um, what what we need to work on uh, this off season to to propel us to uh, to propel us to a better season next year. And, as an alum, I'm, I'm so excited to, to watch these guys uh, and see how they grow throughout their offseason and grow go heading into next season. Well, it's so immediate. Um, we're, we're just right after the end of the season, but what is next for you and, and, and what does the future hold for you? Yeah, I'm uh, going gonna to be working out and, and training for the for the pro day and the combine and uh, have, a, uh, have a collegiate showcase that I'm playing in on the first uh, first week of January in Dallas and then uh, then yeah we'll we'll go from there. All right, well, it's been a great career, Mike, and it's been great to know you. I first met you off the field before um you know, at dinners at Ralph's and with Jeff and all those guys. And so, uh, you know, it's been a great pleasure. You've been a tremendous rep- representative as a fellow alum. It's been great to have you um to, you've represented the Y well, so I'll say that uh, you know once the playing days, which hopefully is a long time from now, but it happens for all of us. Once the playing days end, uh, make sure and keep in touch with me because I'd love to have you come work together with me one of these days because you're going to be great no matter what you do. Thank you, appreciate it, Riley, man. Thank you, yeah. and uh, and Micah, thank you again. You've done this a lot of times over the years, and it was so gratifying to see you break out the way you did as a senior and be a part of such uh, uh, important plays and, and big wins. And I know the losses are tough, but uh, certainly more happy than sad memories, even though today is a, a tough one to swallow at the moment. But thank you again for your professional way of going about things and all you've brought to BYU. Appreciate that, Greg. Thank you so much, man. Brigham forever. Okay, thank you, Micah. That is Micah Simon. The head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Sitake, is still to come here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.
Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show, brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America Visa credit cards featuring triple rewards. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so BYU falls to University of Hawaii tonight by a score of 38-34. to Time for our Mountain America field goal recap. And uh, for each field goal BYU makes, Mountain America donates $500 to the American Red Cross. And uh, BYU made uh, two field goals today, uh, bringing the total for the day to $1,000 and bringing the season total to $8,000, courtesy of Mountain America Credit Union and BYU Football to the American Red Cross. So thank you to Mountain America. As BYU went two for three on the field goals, both teams missed a fourth quarter field goals in the end. You could say it's kind of a wash. Um, but uh, in this kind of game, every point matters. And, of course, if you do have an extra field goal, you're not looking for a touchdown at the end of the game. You're looking to get in position for a field goal. Might change the week. You, you, you call some plays late. Either way, uh, four points the differential, 38-34. And uh, UH is a winner over BYU. So the Cougars uh, do fall to 7-6 and six on the year and do lose uh, back-to-back games to end the year, which was kind of cooking along there at 7-4. Uh, at and four. And uh, thoughts of finishing 9-4, and four, and they were on a nice little five-game win streak. And then a couple of Mountain West teams got the Cougars at the very tail end of the year. Uh, head coach Kalani Sataki is soon to be joining us uh, around the Cougar locker room area. And then they're off. In fact, most of the players and uh, a lot of coaches have already crossed the turf, gotten out of the bus, and they're getting off to a charter that is probably uh, hanging a little bit late right now. The game went so long. Uh, the official game time tonight was 3.58. So a four-hour football game with not a lot of penalties, but a lot of reviews, a lot of throws, a lot of just uh, uh, lengthening devices in this game that lasted a little while, didn't it? Yeah, and and a lot of scores, but you're right. The the reviews were... Uh, very long, but anytime you come out here and play in Hawaii, you're and let's be honest, it's a bowl game. So ESPN selling their advertising and all the media timeouts and things like that. But you, when you have 38 points and 34 points, that's uh, that's a lot of touchdowns and, and a lot of game stoppages. But uh, so it was exciting to see. You know, one thing I'll say, I always say that no matter win or lose, you just want to be competitive. And BYU was competitive today. I mean, you think about it. You and I at one point during the break kind of looked at each other when Hawaii got out out the gate 14 nothing. We're like, boy, this could get ugly if they don't turn it around. And sure enough, BYU did turn it around, clawed their way all the way back to, to get a lead. And obviously the lead was given up or, or relinquished in the final moments. But uh, a, a job well, an effort well spent by this 2019 BYU Cougar team in their bowl game. And uh, they should hold their heads high. And those who are returning should look forward to the opportunity to get better and uh, continue to build upward and onward. Uh, d- disappointing in a lot of ways, obviously. But uh, seeing as the, the second game, Hawaii was lost in, in a lot of the ways that the, that the first game, San Diego State, was is kind of uh, um, uh, frustrating as well uh, in, in, in a minus six turnover margin, minus three at San Diego State and minus three here tonight. And it was so close to not being that, Riley, as BYU had a couple of would-be turnovers uh, reversed or turned over on review, if you will. Uh, one was a, a nice strip that uh, Zach Daw made of Cole McDonald, and then the other became a, a, a reversed or a video-reviewed uh, turnover sent the other way as well. So close to being a little closer in the margin, but in the end, the three turnovers are three turnovers, two Zach Wilson picks, and uh, one ends the game, uh, one sets up a Hawaii touchdown, and then the other turnover is the one that's just going to be galling because I don't know that technology gave the officials enough of an ability to make the right call on it. Zach Wilson, in diving for the end zone, extends the ball over the plane while leaping for the end zone, 
and the ball's knocked loose in the process. But I don't know that I ever saw, or did you, a straight-down-the-line camera view of that play. Did you? So I may expose a little bit, a little bit of my ignorance here, Greg, but at Best Buy, I can go buy a GoPro that I'm sure I can hollow out the inside of a pylon, stick it in there, that I can live stream to my phone, and put it on the goal line. Kalani said it in his post-game conference. How do we not? This is 2019 college football. NCAA, it's it's well-publicized. NCAA, billions of dollars over the bowl season, billions of dollars in the March Madness tournament, and we can't afford, or, or ESPN, whoever, whatever billion-dollar corporation that's responsible for supplying the pylons and camera views, how you don't have a pylon cam or a camera that is fixed on the goal line or any line line to gain for that matter uh, baffles me as we sit here in 2019 because it is as simple I know the technology exists because you can purchase it and I'm sure many people have for Christmas gifts and will be opening up tomorrow a GoPro or a camera that can have a live stream that fits inside of a pylon well pylon cam exists just not here for this game and again what little I know of the TV production for today included the detail of it being what they call a remote broadcast. Now, the broadcasters, the play-by-play and color guys, were here, but a lot of the production components you might normally expect with a full-blown broadcast were not present. That's the way I understand it. I could be wrong on a couple of the details here, but a lot of what was happening was happening from elsewhere. And I think when you have a remote broadcast like that, um, they don't have as many cameras involved. And I think in this case, again, because we didn't see it, I have to believe it wasn't there that they didn't have a straight down the goal line show the plane as the ball crosses like you see at every NFL game and most of the highest profile college games. So if that was the case, that's unfortunate. That's a game-changing play and maybe a game-losing play for BYU. Yeah, and... and uh you can second-guess player decisions, things like that, but anytime you're reaching the ball across the I, – I have played for coaches who absolutely outlie it. You, you are running on Monday if you ever reach the ball because of the ball security threat that it poses. Like I, but like I said at, at the time during the live call, I liked the decision by Zach to extend it at that point in the game. It was a tie ball game, and that was a big momentum-building uh, play for, for your team, so I liked the extra effort. The one thing I would have liked to see differently is him go a little bit lower because whenever you – you leave your feet, you lose your source of power. You want to try and stay grounded in the ground. And when you leave your feet and lose your source of power, you become subject to forces that uh, that act on you and you can't act on them. So when he got spun or helicoptered around, you're just really not in that position to, to get hit on that kind of angle as you're diving forward uh, going towards the pylon. So that would have been the one thing maybe I would have liked to have seen differently. But you're right, Greg, as far as the production or, or things like that, maybe we'll uh, – uh, We'll ignite the the Cougar, whether they're the Twitter fans or emailers out there, to send uh, some emails to ESPN and have them get a pylon cam at every game that they broadcast. It's interesting that on the third and two, which becomes a pass, incomplete stops the clock. A run would have kept the clock rolling, and you have a chance of making the first down. The Zach Wilson fumble came on a sequence of events that began with a run and a run and then another run. It was first and goal from the seven. BYU did not throw the ball on any of those plays. BYU had no touchdown passes on the day. BYU doesn't have a great record without a touchdown pass in the game. They didn't have one today. And they were first and goal from the seven, Lopini for three, rush for three. Second and goal from the four, Lopini rushed for a loss of one. Third and goal from the five, and that's when Wilson took off and had the ball knocked loose as the ball reached the plane. So no throws on the sequence, the turnover resulting in Hawaii football. Now, Hawaii didn't do much with it. They actually went three plays, went minus yards, and punted away. 
but the damage was done and the points not scored on the possession on that particular play. Um, Zach Wilson's day uh, kind of mirrors the year um, so-so, right? 24 of 40, 274, no touchdowns, two picks, fumble loss, passer rating of 107.5. His pass efficiency number was down. Uh, from his freshman season to his sophomore season. Again, some of the accounting is the schedule. There were a few more tougher teams that he saw this year that maybe he didn't last year. But again, last year he played at Boise State. Um, he, he, uh, he, he played tough teams. It wasn't like he didn't play. He played Utah. Um, so it was tough both years, but it just wasn't the year that you expect him to have from freshman to sophomore based on how he played as a freshman. And almost entirely responsible is the fact that as soon as last season ended, he was going under the knife. And the minute the surgery happened, it was months before he could throw a football again. And and, and BYU needs a season, Riley, with one or two or three guys that have complete and full and healthy off-seasons of nothing but improvement and competition. Not surgery, not rehab, not pitch counts, but just getting better. That would be ideal. In the worst way they need it. Not, not only would it be ideal, that's the only way you can build programs. I, I mentioned in the pregame with Shep, I heard an interview by Joe... Joe Burrow, and he talked about how having a complete offseason with LSU because he transferred in in the summer before his junior year, and that last year, I mean, they were still a Fiesta Bowl team, but they were they were only good, they were good, not great. And he talked about them being able to take the step from good to great had to do with they had all of their guys all together, all healthy for an entire offseason, and that was what helped LSU take a leap forward. Now, yeah. obviously, BYU's leap forward will not be into the college football championship because they sit back to back years seven and. Six, but I think a leap forward puts you at you know nine and three regular season, maybe maybe ten and three if you can keep all of your guys together. Now, one of the interesting things about that is, are, are is this team going to be mired in competition? Right with the emergence of Jaron Hall, and at least at the quarterback position, which we know that takes away reps, that dilutes reps from your core players and your core playmakers, at least from the offensive perspective. A lot of young talent on the defensive side of the ball. You hope a lot of those guys don't go in for elective surgery. They've been able to avoid those. I'm talking about the linebacking core of the Max Tuleys, Peyton Wilgars, the Kafusi brothers, uh, all of those guys. That I think we're searching for answers in the defensive secondary. You can hope that while guys like Chris Wilcox and Troy Warner read shirted this season it'll be great to have them back but you need them working out in the offseason and not in the training room rehabbing so a lot of uh, good promising things there if they can uh, get what you've said but it has been so elusive for the past decade for this BYU team to have what you've said and uh, we can only hope that fortunes change and change soon all right, uh, Kalani's almost ready for us. We'll take a break and talk with the coach coming up next. BYU falls 38-34. The Cougars actually scored in every quarter today and lost. Only the second time in the Kalani era that uh, BYU scored in every quarter and not won the game. BYU was on a 10-game win streak with four-quarter scoring until tonight. We'll take a break. Kalani next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Cougar Post Game Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, Kalani Sitake is joining us one-on-one momentarily before we hear from Kalani. Until Kalani's ready for us, we have Nick Rolovich in his postgame comments after his team defeats Kalani's Cougars, 38-34. In fact, we've got Kalani right now, so we'll hold off on Coach Rolovich. Coach Kalani is with us right now from the Cougar locker room area. Uh, Kalani, thanks for taking a minute. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Wow. Um, so much of the fourth quarter there, I felt like you had it. Uh, how did you feel as the game was going along? 
Yep, I uh, thought, thought uh, you know, we had control and thought that our defense finally settled in and were able to get the, get the lead. I thought once we got the lead, I thought it was looking our way, you know, but uh, um, just didn't do enough to win this game, and, and that's my fault. I got I to gotta do a better job and get our guys to perform better and execute better and, in all three phases. And so that's uh, very disappointing, and I, I feel bad for the seniors and, and for our fans and, and uh, look, looking forward to learning from this and getting better for the next game. One of the main areas to hit, I guess, would be the uh, turnover margin, which was a good strength for you during the season. But minus three in San Diego and minus three tonight. Yep, and, and that doesn't do well for us, obviously. If you look at some of the losses that we've had this year, it's the three turnovers is a common theme. Yeah. You know, so um, that and not getting any. And we had some drop picks and some missed opportunities and, um, you know, and, and uh, had some turnovers that cost us points and things like that. And, and that's something that we, we've always been uh, – really preaching as a program and so that that was uh again it showed its ugly face and and uh, we've got to figure this out and and that's uh i'm just sick of losing games like this because of that yeah coach um so i as as i was looking at so many of the playmakers that were out there for byu and and we talk about this young core and we see you know a mardner who was uh, who caught those last two balls for hawaii he was a freshman and so many big plays were made by freshmen and sophomores alike for this byu program how do you uh, help those guys take a big leap for you know regain some self-confidence maybe from mistakes made uh these learning experiences in this season and really transform them and, and build upon those to where they become different players who don't make those same mistakes throughout the rest of their career and get better each game? Well, I think the main thing is uh, they got toughened up and I got to get it tougher, you know, so um, they got to compete better and they com- got to compete in the uh, in everything that they do. And so when the ball goes up and you're in a deep third or a post or uh, wherever you're supposed to be playing your zone, that ball belongs to you. That's the only thing in defense. We've talked about it, that, that the ball goes up in the air. It's our ball just as much as it is the, the receivers. And so um, the lack of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, getting get to the ball and the lack of making a play on the ball is, is cost us a lot of big plays tonight, uh, today, and um, that, that can't happen. And so there's a lot of different ways that we can get that done, and, and I'm looking forward to getting that done as soon as possible. I can't wait to watch this film and uh, get after some, some corrections. Play of the game comes on third and two, but it's really two plays because the play that you were hoping to run is a special uh, in which Micah Simon ends up going under center for a sneak, but the play didn't go off. Yeah, it uh, looked like we were about to run out of time, and it was really close. And uh, whatever reason, the, the call came in later, or they weren't able to get it executed. And, and uh, just at that moment, we did not, not want to uh, get a five-yard penalty for a delay game or anything. And I talked to the ref, and he said it was really, really close. And so that seems like that was a... Uh, you know, taking the time out, just I, I can't remember. It's third and two or third or, and two. Yeah, just uh, I think we get the first down, we win the game, yep. looking at the clock, and so. Um, but you know, our offense scored enough points for us to win, and and defensively, we uh, we got ourselves in the hole, gave up a lot of big plays, and even that last that last dang drive, man, two big plays. And so, um, you know, that just just uh, we we've got to be able to step up and play better defense, and and, and spe- especially in this situation when it's time to win the game and. Uh, and young guys got to grow up because uh, we can't sit here and, and keep wasting games. On the third and two play you did run after the sneak got aborted, uh, Micah thought that Zach was dirting it, that he didn't see the play there, and he was just kind of throwing it in the ground to avoid taking a loss or anything bad. Did you see it as an incomplete pass or a dirt ball, or what did you see? I don't know. I thought it was an incomplete pass. We, yeah. It doesn't really matter. We, they have no timeouts. We wanted the, the clock to run. Right. You know, and so um, 
That, uh, I, I don't know exactly. I have to watch it on film. I just knew that it looked like it was thrown a little low. It was, yeah. And, um, you know, we had uh, – that was the RPO part of, of, of the run, you know, so I don't know if the run was going to hit or not. i got to watch it on film. I At least run keeps the clock moving, right? Yeah, yeah, and even if <clears throat> even if you don't throw it and keep it, and you just, I mean, that's just – it's situational football, and that's – that falls on me, you know, Greg. That's 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 my job as a head coach to make sure everyone's educated and and uh, you know we we've we've worked these situations many many times before in practices and and uh, you know in scrimmages and things like that and, mm-hmm. and even leading up to this game and so um, the fact that we didn't execute it well that's 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 on me. I I got to get that fixed because 2020 is right around the corner. We have to have this team ready to play that game in September, or August, whenever we face Utah. Talk about Tyler Algier, eight carries, 78 yards, 9.6 yard per carry average. I mean, between the emergence of Sione Final, Jackson McChesney, now Tyler has a great game in the bowl game. Is uh, the running back position, obviously Sione is going to be rehabbing his ACL, but this seems like it might be one of your more high. And then, of course, Lopini, who was the most stable force and, and most productive back uh, throughout the entire season. This might be your most hotly contested position as we head into the offseason. Fair to say? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of places that we're deep. You know, if you're looking at quarterback and running back and no line, there's a lot of places that we're deep, and and um, I'm excited about the guys coming back. I'm just still really frustrated. I feel bad for the seniors right now um, because this is a game that 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 we we should have had. You know, and and uh, that's tough to say because I I don't want to take anything away from Hawaii. They played a, an excellent game. They deserved to win. Um, we 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 did not do uh, well enough to to get this victory, and that frustrates me because I love these seniors so much. They deserve this, and um, you know, there's just so many breakdowns that that, that happened, and so many opportunities that we could have had the game won. I, I would think 34 points is enough to win a game. It's just me personally against Hawaii, even with their high caliber offense, scoring offense. That's something that we should be able to to handle. And I thought the second half is what we saw from the defense, the guys making plays. Um, and then, you know, that, that one drive is just, is just, I wish we could have that one back. Well, you had only ever lost uh, one game uh, when scoring 30 or more, Kalani. That was the West Virginia game back in your first season. Yeah, and, and this one we just got in the hole early, you know, and, and a lot of big plays. They had a bunch of yards throwing, and it, it worked out perfectly what we were trying to do. We wanted them to be a one-dimensional team and just pass the ball. They usually have been able to stay balanced and run the get, run the ball, and, and uh, keep you on your heels, and we felt like we had them all locked up. We felt like we had the run game locked up, and and we could focus on the pass. And then, uh, um, whether we're in drop eight or whatever coverages we're in, or zones or man or whatever it is, uh, guys need to make plays. And you know, we had our hand on the ball a couple times, and just didn't come up down with the picks. And and uh, that's just uh, unfortunate, and that and that's really frustrating for me as a coach. Kalani, you mentioned, and look, you're not going to make excuses, and uh, but I do want to write a strongly word, and there are other fans out there with me who want to hit up whoever we need to hit up to make sure that there are pylon cams. Uh, not that that, you know, uh, it doesn't all boil down to one game, but it is 2019, and the technology is out there, whether it's a GoPro that I have, you know, that I can live stream my, my skiing experiences, or heck, even the 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 baby monitors nowadays, I can get a live stream of what my kid's doing in their room on an app. You'd think that uh, ESPN or NCAA or the powers that be could, uh, you know, stick one of those in a pylon and, and get us up. So, um, I mean, who should we be writing a letter to? Is it ESPN? Is it the NCAA? What do we got to do to get that done here? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't see it. You know, on, on theirs, they had a fumble on theirs too, and, and they I think it's just the benefit of the – 
the call when the, when the refs give them a touchdown, I mean, they, they reviewed it, and I guess they had a camera because it was on the one-yard line or whatever, uh, camera angle on the on the goal line. It just seems like that seems like the easiest thing to do. The NFL's kind of moved to that where they they have a, a camera on the, the goal line or on the uh, first down marker. And so I, I, I don't know. But it, you know what? It's just it is what it is. I, I, I honestly can't say that I saw even the replay, but I would just imagine if the ball drops from one point and, and lands on another side, then it might have crossed the plane. But uh, regardless, we got to take care of the football. The three turnovers cost us, and in that play, uh, cost us seven points that we should have had, or at least three. Kalani, last year seven and six. This year seven and six. How do you how do you look at them? Uh, a lot of differences. I mean, we 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 have a lot of young guys uh, still this this season. We're a fairly young team. You know, we we're going to miss a lot of production uh, out of our receiver group. Um, Matt Bush has got to make a decision uh, uh, coming up and. Um, but I, th- I feel really good about this team. I feel good about the competition that we're about to see in so many different positions and, and looking forward to all these guys getting the best. Uh, we will play the best guys. Um, we have, we're, we're signed some, some receivers and some other skilled players that, that are even going on, coming off a redshirt year that I think is going to be really huge for us in contributing and, and, and may create some mismatches. Um, defensively, we've got to get some bodies back, and, and uh, Chris Wilcox will be huge for that and, and also getting... Uh, these young guys that grow up, the the, the, the DBs, you know, and, and um, fortunately uh, Austin Lee wasn't able to go today, which was uh, a little bit puzzling, but uh, it was more just his, his uh, legs weren't able to ro- work, and he was coming off of a little banged-up hamstring, and, um, you know, he's going he's gonna to do well and play in the East-West Shrine game. I wish him the best of luck, but we were down a little bit on, on some of the guys in the back end, but the other guys got to step up, just like the, the running backs have done, you know, so... Uh, it's a great opportunity for all these guys, but I'm looking forward to, to getting some competition going in all three phases and uh, uh, play the best guys and, and make sure that the ballers and the competitors want to be out there. Finally, Kalani, with uh, with your contract extension, uh, the short-term uh, future is solidified, and so you know where you want to go with this thing. Uh, what would you like uh, Cougar Nation to know as, as you wrap it up with us for your final thoughts of this season on, on what's next and what's to come? Just really thankful for all of the fans. Um, love them. Uh, uh, disappointed that that uh, we didn't didn't perform as well as I want. I thought we could have this season. Looking forward to 2020. I promise you, we're going to work really hard and get the guys ready for this uh, for this next upcoming season. We have no choice but to do it. And you know, we we had a good a moment in the locker room to to honor the seniors and, and make sure that we carry this thing forward. Their hard work and, and all their their sacrifice that they've made for this team. It's important that they see that our guys capitalize on it. And so. Um, it's, a, it's a moment for our young guys to really grow up and what a difference it will make between now and March and making sure our guys are ready for spring ball. I can't wait to get to work. Well, Kalani, our thanks to you for the season uh, you've given us uh, on the air, both uh, during game days and coaches' shows and everything else. So appreciation to you and uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your family, and we will uh, we'll see you again soon enough. Merry Christmas, everyone, and um, happy holidays and, and, and happy new year. Uh, 2020 is going to be fun. Appreciate you, Greg. You guys, you guys do an amazing job. And then Cougar Nation, love you guys. Go Cougs. All right, thanks, Coach. That is Kalani Sitake. We will come back with Cougar Nation now as we continue from Aloha Stadium on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to BYU Dining's Cougar Nation now. BYU Dining, a classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be a part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions using the hashtag BYUCNN. 
Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens, and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU Dining, Cougar Nation now, brought to you by BYU Dining and the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. You've heard from the head coach, the Cougars, Kalani Zitake, now the head coach of the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors for a moment or two, Nick Rolovich. Our thanks to intern Nate, Nate Slack, for grabbing these comments a short time ago. That was a great football game. I appreciate everyone that was involved in our season. There's so many, so much effort from so many different areas. To get a 10-win season, to win on Christmas Eve in a bowl game versus BYU in that fashion, um, it, it, it's hard to write anything better, to be honest with you. And I'm glad to be here. I'm glad for these kids. I'm glad that they believed in the Pride Rock mentality. Um, trying to live Aloha, play Warrior when it's time, and just got to be thankful for our fans that really have come out and stuck with us and have probably yearned for this this type of win for a long time. So I appreciate everyone. Again, if you would, please raise your hand. First question. Coach, last time uh, I beat BYU before this was when you were a player. Um, how do these two moments compare? Well, they're very similar. And uh, they both feel good. Uh, I'm honored to be a part of it and a cu- for a couple of these wins. Uh, it's, a, it's a special stadium to me, and a lot of former Warriors and Rainbow Warriors that have come through here. And you know, for the guys that kind of laid the brick foundation, uh, you know, taking the BYU beatings through the '80s and getting them in. I mean, all the the, the history of it. Um, it's incredible to be a part of. I told our guys, let the, this isn't about the, the tradition, the rivalry. This isn't about BYU. This is about us. And um, we, we, we took a saying from Coach Tomey. We expected to win. We expected to be in a dogfight. We expected to feel like it would be impossible to win that football game at some point in the third quarter. Almost the whole third quarter felt that way. And we expected to win the game in the fourth quarter. And... Many of those things, if not all of them, came true. So that's been a great addition to our game day philosophy. Coach, you got about 207 left. You got to go 71 yards. No problem in your head? What are you thinking? Take a shot. We, well, we took the shot to JoJo. Um, the first catch by Marner to get us into the red zone or high red, or that is a concept that we have worked, we have talked about all season long. Um, that's a really um, advanced uh, read, um, manipulation of safety by uh, Cole. And I didn't see Marner's route completely, but he knew where the ball was going to be thrown. He just, I, I think he did everything he was supposed to do. It was a great job securing the catch. He's had a really, this is where bull practice, when he's getting more and more reps, he, he saw, or we saw, um, a, a growth um, in Mardner. And I think, well, obviously he's earned a lot of our trust to get in there at that moment and call those two plays for him. All right, that's uh, head coach Nick Rolovich of the University of Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, a few of his postgame comments. We've heard from both coaching staffs and BYU players. Time now to hear from you on Cougar Nation Now. We'll take a break. We'll come back and start to head into the Twitter and the email, see what you folks have on your mind. It is 
CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. That's for the email, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. Or you can uh, tweet us, hashtag BYUCNN, hashtag BYUCNN for hashtag BYU Cougar Nation Now. That's all. That's uh, hashtag BYUCNN. That's on Twitter. We'll come back and hear from you next here on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation Now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, uh, wrapping up the game and the season, Hawaii defeats BYU by a score of 38-34. to This is BYU Creamery and BYU Dining Cougar Nation Now. Hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. Cougar Nation Now at BYU.edu on the email. BYU falls to 7-6 and six on the year. Hawaii was one-dimensional and one was enough tonight. All pass, no rush, and a win for UH. BYU more yards of total offense. BYU dominates in the run game. And in the end, it did not matter as Hawaii comes away with a 38-34 decision. BYU was in drop eight. UH was in five wides. Everybody knew what every down was going to look like. And yet, Riley, it still turned out with enough big plays for UH to get the job done. After a time in the second half when they looked just unable to do anything downfield. And the big plays at the right time with time waning. And that's a win for UH. Yeah, it was interesting to hear Rolovich say that there was going to be a time in this game where we didn't – I mean, that was their approach coming in. He said, "He said I told the guys there was going to be a time in this game where it was going to feel like we weren't going to be able to win it. Well, as the one who put them in that position, in other words, as the aggressor is BYU, when you go up, you can't, you can't let the guy back up. You can't give him any belief. You have to – you know, once you have him down, you've got to keep him down and, and uh, submit them to your will. And, and this BYU team was unable to do that for – for uh, many different reasons. It was interesting to hear Kalani's comments and the frustration he talked about on that. We got a little bit of insight into uh, some of the coaching in the secondary that goes on with his frustrations mm-hmm. on those last couple plays when he talked about you know covering the deep third and the different player responsibilities. He got a little energized there, didn't he, yeah. talking about that. Yeah, So, uh, that, and I was actually really encouraged about that. And he said he's – Kalani gives – and look, I – if I were in his position, I'd do the same thing. He gives us a lot of coaches speak. But if you listen closely and if you listen to him a lot like we do, he'll give you some nuggets. And one of the things that stuck out to me is I believe he's sincere in saying that he cannot wait to get out and start coaching again to uh, to clean up these guys because I think he honestly believes he's got the pieces. He just has to mold these guys maybe more so from a technique and physical standpoint, more so from a competitive and a mentality standpoint. And, and if he can do that, which is will be his goal number one in this offseason, I really do think think all the potential that we talk so much about is there for this football program. Mitchell Jurgens is up from uh, field level and has uh, joined us here in the broadcast booth. Uh, Mitch, uh, your sideline perspective, moving into postgame locker room perspective after what you witnessed here tonight. Yeah, you know, you feel for a lot of these players being, you know, in the locker room, seeing a lot of these guys, you know, exit um, specifically for these seniors that you know left the field for the last time in a in a Cougar uniform, I mean it's tough. And you heard Kalani. I think you know a lot of his frustration just came down to, uh, you know, I wish we could have gotten this win for the seniors, um, send them out the right way. And and so it was tough. You know, it's it's football's a, it's a tough sport. You know, you win or you lose. And when you win, things are great. When you lose, you always think about those those little mistakes or, or little plays that, you know, you could make. And, and when you look at this film, you know, I loved Kalani's comments and how he's so excited to watch this film because there were, there were so many plays that was just, I mean, it, I mean, it, a number of them, 10 plus that if you say, I mean, if we just had this, this play here, this play there, 
this game is completely different and it's it's exciting for you know what's to come and and so as you look to the off season um there's you're going to lose some key seniors especially from the offensive receiver perspective um, but it's a great time to see guys develop um, guys take advantage of opportunities that have vacated from a lot of the seniors leaving and see who it really is competitive who is gonna you know put that Y on their chest and play with purpose and, and really do some you know, really good things for this BYU football program and it, it's tough to see a loss on the last game but it might be added motivation added fire into the offseason which is what they'll need come 2020. Zach Wilson ran the ball well enough that you could argue that had Jaron Hall played at any point, he wouldn't have run the ball any better than Zach Wilson. Zach was very productive tonight, running it, averaging 5.1 yards per carry, even with some sacks uh, factored in. Uh, email, or rather a text tweet, beg your pardon, a tweet comes in from Alyssa who asks, and, uh, and asks what does uh, Zach bring to the table that makes him the starter over Baylor or Jaron? I love Zach's athleticism, think he's a great quarterback, but after seeing all three quarterbacks play, I feel, she says, that all three could start. What will determine the winner of the quarterback battle this spring? It's an interesting question, and it's now a question. I mean, it uh, uh, again, the way last season ended, you would have kind of acclaimed Zach Wilson as the starter for the next three seasons. This season left the door open just enough for other possibilities, and a lot of it's health-related. Zach wasn't himself. I think it's fair to say Zach gets a chance to be himself again, to be healthy and to establish himself as, 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 as the guy he thinks he is and the players want him to be and all those kinds of things. But as for now, I think we're in competition territory. Do you guys agree with that? I, I 100% agree. I mean, I think, I think going into this offseason, we've seen enough from all three of those quarterbacks to say, it's an equal playing field. There's not one quarterback, I would say, that has the, the leg up on another. And it's going to be true competition mode to see which guy is, and not just who's going to make the best throws, but who makes the best decisions. Um, when you look at a football game, it, it comes down to taking care of the football um, and you know putting your offense in position to score points and, and who can execute that game plan the best. I, I personally think that's going to be a huge factor as far as you know who's going to be the guy moving forward. And um, I, I see this being a continuous, you know, battle moving forward, not just a, you know, who's going to win it in the off season, who's going to be the spring ball guy, who's going to be, it's going to, this is going to continue into the season. Then once 2020 season starts, I guarantee you that competition is still going to be there. It's, I mean, these three players, they're, they're great quarterbacks that have a lot of potential and I'm excited to see which one rises to the top. Rouse. So we're normally in unison on most of our opinions on this show, but this is going to be one where I want to provide maybe a little bit of a different point of view, and it stems from my own personal experience. So in 2012, I went 5-5 five and five as the starter. I missed three games that year. I missed Hawaii, who was, I believe, 1-11. and 11. I missed New Mexico State, who I believe was 0-12, and, and uh, I missed uh, the, the our bowl game, San Diego State, who I think was like a 8-5 and five team or something like that. Regardless, uh, I was a 500 quarterback, and uh, – Taysom, who started two of those games, and James, who started one of them, they were all undefeated. So basically what I'm saying is sample size is, is a tough deal, and also the schedule that Zach played against. Now, that said, there are some things about Zach more so than, than the schedule. I think the sample size on those on those guys, and look, I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish anybody's accomplishments, but when you looked at Baylor and that Boise win, perhaps the best win in, uh, of the season, the Boise benched cord the quarterback that they started in that game in favor of the guy who at the time was the third shortly after that game so he wasn't the guy who kind of caught them at the at the right point and jaron while um you know played great against utah state and and deserves all the kudos for a tough uh, 
game on the road, really was not able to separate what was, I think BYU was a far superior team to USF, at least offensively. Defense has their own thing. That's the thing. Baseball or Football is the ultimate team sport. So not to diminish, but it's multifaceted. And uh, we all have, we what we do have is a sample size enough to make an evaluation on Zach Wilson and who he is as that player. But I don't think we're there yet on the other guys. Now, that said, competition is always there, and it should always be there. It's the hallmark of marquee programs, and I think BYU is one of those and I think wants to continue to be one of those. So, yes, the element of competition. Now, do we open this up and it's an equal reps thing? I don't know that it necessarily merits that. Does it merit a good, hard, long look? Uh, for sure, but uh, when you look at the the teams and situations in which Zach Wilson has played both last year and this year, and then the relatively small sample size that we saw out of Baylor and Jaron, both about a game and a half, so only six quarters compared to what? Um, um, compared to Zach's, you know, 60-plus quarters, uh, it's uh, you want to just make sure you're not making any rash decisions. And Zach's health will be a big part of it. He wasn't healthy this year, didn't have a healthy offseason, and uh, given health, I think, can establish again um, every, every, the player he expected or everyone expected him to be. And let's note, this is maybe one of the biggest numbers of all. Ty Detmer's the only player in BYU football history with more yards of total offense through a sophomore season than Zach Wilson. Okay, so what Zach's done as a freshman and a sophomore is very is very notable. And again, not every freshman got to play back in the day. Not every freshman had a chance to play as a sophomore. It's kind of a recent phenomenon. That said, when Ty Detmer's the only guy ahead of you in terms of sophomore total offense yardage, you've there's got something, something there. There's something there, clearly. <laughs> and now we get a chance, I think, uh, we, uh, presuming a healthy offseason for Zach to kind of reestablish and get back on the beam. But knowing that uh, nothing should be necessarily uh, taken for granted, and that should hopefully spur him forward as he seeks to improve as a quarterback at BYU. We'll come back with more of your comments on Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN, or just to at Greg Grubel on Twitter. This is BYU Creamery, BYU Dining, Cougar Nation Now. BYU Falls to Hawaii, 38-34 here in the 2019 SoFi Hawaii Bowl. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation Now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU 38, BYU 34. Our final score at Chaplin Schumann on Twitter says, Ed Lamb said in an article that uh, BYU had to mix it up against UH and not drop eight, uh, not just drop eight or just bring pressure all the game. Uh, didn't see enough of the latter. Uh, UH offense one-dimensional, and unfortunately so was BYU's D, says at Chaplin Schumann. And uh, the last X number of minutes of the game, it just felt like we were going to see empty and drop eight, and whoever made enough plays was going to win the game there, and BYU couldn't find a way to make a play on defense. But there was a there was a lot of of three man pressure tonight, wasn't there? There was, and they actually got home. JJ and Wigway got uh, two two sacks, and Lorenzo Fautea got another one. Zach Daw had that big set. Atunasimahe. So, you know, it's hard to blame it on the on the three man rush. And I was watching the coverages rather closely. And now, granted, they did get uh, pretty monotonous uh, on this last drive. But I was watching them earlier. They were comboing it up, playing man on one half, zone on the other. They were mixing up, you know, between three deep, five under, four deep, four under. They were doing some zone dropping. They were blitzing linebackers and dropping defensive ends. And so they were they were mixing up their looks. It's just hard because if you if you want to light those guys up, they get the ball out so quick, and all you're doing is spinning your wheels, making yourselves tired, and then you start missing tackles. But uh, it, I mean, the reality is, it's like Kalani said. Um, 
34 points should have won the game. It came down to me. It came down to timely and clutch plays in key situations. Situational football. If I were to boil this whole season down, and I know we're only you know 40 minutes after the final game, uh, but if I were to boil this season down, the one thing, if I were the coach, that I would work on is situational football. Time and time again, BYU was underwhelming on offense in third down. They were underwhelming in the red zone. They were underwhelming on goal line, and and the defense likewise giving up third downs that just make you scratch your heads, giving up big plays in times where you have the de- where you have the offense in third and long scenarios or in desperation scenarios, and you give them hope and you give them life. So, situational football would be priority number one for me. Yeah, and one one thing I want to add to that too is you know something that you know you heard in in Kalani's um, conversation with with Greg and Riley with you guys that as far as the defense when that ball goes up it's it's just as much the defensive player's ball as it is the offense and it, it I mean it sounds like we saw a couple dropped interceptions today and and those you know a lot of times as a fan or as a even a player you look at those and think. You know what? Those are kind of gravy on top of you do your job. It's an incomplete pass, and if you get an interception, it's 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 a bonus, right? Um, but a lot of times you've got to force turnovers. That's part of your job as a defensive player. And coming up with those key interceptions can do wonders for your team, and that's what you expect to have. Um, and so I think you know, as far as the defensive side of the ball, um, you've got to take advantage of those moments and. and be a receiver, be a tight end that can catch those balls, come up with those interceptions because you're, you know, as, as far as getting the ball back and flipping momentum, it's just when you can um, build momentum off of those huge turnovers, that can do wonders for a game and, and just the mentality of how that game's going to pan out. And so those are two plays, and we looked at the dropped interceptions. But, um, you know, a couple things that the defense can work on as far as, you know, moving into the offseason is, Take advantage of of making plays, having that be your mentality instead of just doing your job. Yeah, and and turnovers ended up being BYU's undoing in the final two games of the year. Uh, no takeaways, six giveaways, and that's zero and two. And and again, zero and twos haven't happened to end a year in a long time. Two thousand eight, BYU lost at Utah, and then against Arizona in the Las Vegas Bowl to end the year. And that's the last time BYU's had back to back losses to end the season. Let's end tonight's show as we're getting close to. Close to Christmas, officially, back in the Mountain Time Zone. Uh, we'll give you a trivia question for two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream. Tonight, BYU loses despite scoring 30-plus points. Only the second time in the Kalani Sitake era that BYU scored 30 and lost. Who's the only other team, besides Hawaii, to have beaten BYU on a night when the Cougars scored 30-plus in the Kalani Sitake era? Your answer can be tweeted in using hashtag BYUCNN. We're going to go tweets only tonight. Hashtag BYU CNN. If you know the answer to that question, who's the only other team besides Hawaii tonight to beat BYU on a night when the Cougars score 30 plus points in the Kalani Sitake era? The correct answer wins two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. Back to give the answer and wrap things up after this on the new skin BYU Sports Network. From. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Well, this season certainly had its um, its its drama and its dramatic swings from a two and one start to finding yourself uh, two and four to suddenly you're seven and four and then you're seven and six to end. It, this was wild. I mean, there were so many different times this year where you thought you knew what you had, then you didn't, and then you had a new impression about and then it ends up being uh, turned over again and it was just a 
uh, it was a seven and six year, is what it is. You're 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 very close to just you're 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 okay, you know. And I thought the season had a lot more potential than okay, as it turned out. And that's kind of the sad thing about it in the end. Um, let's get the answer uh, to our trivia question and get the ice cream out of the way before we say our goodbyes. Congratulations to uh, Bill Rainey at Toro Twister on uh, Twitter for telling us that West Virginia is the only other team before tonight to have defeated BYU in the Satake era on a night when BYU scores 30-plus points. It was back in Kalani's first year, 2016. West Virginia beat BYU 35-32. Tonight it was 38-34, Hawaii over BYU. So I will uh, I will slide into Bill Rainey's DMs, as they say, and uh, get him uh, the information he needs to win the uh, two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. So we got that out of the way. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, could have been so much more involved uh, this year, I thought, than the way things turned out, and that's kind of sad, but that is sport, and that's the way it wraps up for BYU after a 38-34 setback tonight. Uh, so much focus will be on, you know, just uh, you know one play here and one play there tonight, and third and two will get a lot of attention, and it's, it's, it's kind of doubly sad knowing that the play they wanted to run on third and two never got snapped because they got onto the field too late and had to call a timeout, and you've been working on it. You, you, you trot it out at the right moment, and you can't even run the play. Then the play you end up do you end up running ends up uh, as an incomplete pass that stops the clock. And then UH credit to them makes the plays they needed on the ensuing drive to break BYU's hearts tonight. And uh, and BYU just didn't lose games this year. They just kind of they, they lost them in memorable and kind of crushing ways, which makes it uh, sometimes doubly tough. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'll say. Um and not to compare or talk about other teams, but I do have a brother that's still on Utah State's team, and they finished seven and six as well. Yeah. And uh, but it was not as painful for them, and maybe part of that has to do with the history. And you know, they, you look at it in the context of Utah State over the last thirty years, and hey, seven and six is pretty good. But they've been they've been a good program as of late, and I think they underperformed. But they were kind of just like, yeah, we just weren't that good. Frustrating thing about, but but the frustrating at the same time encouraging thing about this BYU season, the the frustrating thing was you feel like it could have been so much better. But that is also the encouraging thing because if you can fix with the young core, if you can foster that competitive greatness that Kalani talked about where instead of giving up the big play in that big moment you make the play in that big moment and you swap your fortunes this is a 10 and 3 team and we're back to double digit wins and perhaps national rankings and all of those things so you, you live life on the razor's edge and as as uh, maddening as it is I would I'll make the argument that it's also encouraging and I look forward to seeing what can happen in 2020 against a, a, a just as this slate of games was extremely intriguing and provided great from a just pure entertainment standpoint, I think we've got another lineup in 2020 of some great college football programs to compete against, and I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Uh, you know, I'm not much for March and the other offseason, but I can't wait for August to roll, roll around next year. Uh, Mitch, closing thoughts from you. Yeah, so the word that comes to mind is consistency, and, and, and that's when you look at the season, and I think what's so hard uh, just wrenching with, about this entire season was, you know, Riley talked about it. Is you have you have the high of the highs, you have the low lows, and it, it's it's a lack of consistency that this program displayed this season. Um, but it does; it provides an optimism that um, that gets you excited, knowing that you know what we fell short of our expectations of of the bar that we set for ourselves, but we can rise above that, knowing how we can make how we can fix the mistakes that we made and how we can correct the 
you know, we go on a, a six-game win streak in the season or, or a five-game win streak, and, 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 you know, how do we drop off so quickly? How can we maintain that high and provide more consistency? And I really think that's what Kalani is going to be looking for over the next, you know, several months is who are the guys that we can count on every single moment, not just in the first and second quarter, but through all four quarters. And, and so consistency is going to be big, and, and, and I'm excited as well to see what's what 2020 has to offer and which guys step up. Uh, we're going to see a lot of holes, some important holes to fill as far as, you know, we talked about the offensive receivers. You got Talon Shumway, Leva Hifo, um, Micah Simon, potentially Matt Bushman. You go to the defensive side, you got Diane Gunwalaku, Austin Lee, some really big-time key players that are going to be missed, but it's going to be exciting to see who's going to step up and fill those roles. Um, so it's going to be a fun uh, fun couple months to see how that how that unfolds. Another fun year comes to an end for us here on the broadcast crew. Our thanks to the uh, folks back at BYU Radio tonight. Cole Wissinger, pitch hitting for Tanner Rawl tonight. Cole was amazing as our control board operator. Terry South is our coordinating producer. Jason Shepard, our studio host, our engineers. Uh, Barry Squires and Sean Fay back in Provo. And our broadcast intern at BYU Radio was Jeffrey Carroll here at Aloha Stadium. And pinch hitting was Doug Olson. For our engineers, Michael Wimmer and uh, Barry Squires, Doug, uh, on this one-off, did remarkable work stepping into the booth and getting it done. Not an easy place to work. Fun place to come, not an easy place to work. And so our thanks to Doug and to our intern, Nate Slack, who was here at Aloha Stadium as well. And it was a first year with the new crew, the new crew being uh, Mitchell Juergens, myself, and now Riley Nelson. And so, Riley, uh, for year number one, it flew on by. And you stepped in like a, a savvy veteran. And what a pleasure it was to work with you this year and have you be a part of the team. And I look forward to more years with you. Yeah, pleasure is all mine. All right. Thank you, Riley. And for Mitchell Jurgens and Riley Nelson, my name is Greg Grubel. Thanking you for tuning in, saying in the meantime and in between time, on a score of 38-34, UH over BYU, this has been BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night and so long. Aloha from Hawaii. You've been listening to live coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Coverage of today's game has been brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Siegfried and Jensen has been helping Utah families for over 25 years. BYU football is also proudly supported by Ken Garf Honda, Nissan, and Volkswagen in Orem. BYU football is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Special thanks to BYU President Kevin Worthen, Vice President Matt Richardson, Athletic Director Tom Homo, and General Manager of Corporate Sponsorships Casey Stoffer. BYU Football is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network.